This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. It feels so good to be able to say that without feeling like I'm about to like cough my lungs out or anything. That is a good thing. Yeah, because last week I was like super sick. Oh, uh, what the hell? Yeah, like the last two weeks I've just this whole freaking winter. Anyway, yes. Hello and welcome to the Obsessive Viewer. Uh, we're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show. Each episode, you can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com/slash/theobsessiveviewer. And episode sponsor for this week is once again Horror Movie Yearbook, which is a horror movie podcast devoted to, uh, the, their goal is to take a movie from, or a series of movies, a few different movies from a specific year of release and review them and can, and, uh, discuss them in the context of the year of release and the current events and, and, uh, pop culture of the year of release. You can find them on Twitter at HM Yearbook and at horrormovieyearbook.com. And thank you to Horror Movie Yearbook and the Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode. So, Tiny, today we're talking about Black Panther, right? We are. Yes. And we're also going to do some other stuff too. How you been? I've been good. Good, good. good. Some sickness is going around. Yes, as you just said, my wife was sick. It's crazy out there. Right. That's the reason why we didn't record last week. Right. Yeah, your wife was sick. Wash your hands, people. Right. Yes. Yes. Wear sunscreen, I guess. Right. Just bathe in Purell before you leave the house. Yes. It's like it's uh, like it sucks because like even me working from home and not being out in the world, like it's I'm not immune from getting sick. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I get sick, I'm just stewing in the bacteria of my apartment. <laughs> right. So. No, I mean, I go to different places every day and it's like, uh, you can't actually go in there because we have 17 managers who work here and 15 of them are sick. So. Jesus. Seriously, it's crazy. <clears throat> That's terrible. Yeah. I was working at the zoo. And oh, like yeah. one of the areas we could not go to because there's three zookeepers mm-hmm. that work in that area and all three of them were out sick. Jeez. I was like, I want to see, see any of the animals. I want to see the pandas though. Right. There's no, there's no pandas at the Indy Zoo. Not yet. No. Yeah. We'll get we'll get them there. We will. We have this whole free willy thing anyway. But I fun uh, story real quick. Mm-hmm. I laughed at a door while we were there. Just just okay, wait. Okay. We drove by this place and we were driving by this place and the guy who was escorting us like we drove by and he was like, "Can you guess what that door is for?" It was like three stories tall. It was it was a door just for giraffes. <laughs> it was like three stories tall, but like six feet wide. That's, That's it. That's awesome. I, just, I laughed. I don't know why. It was just so <laughs> funny to me. I was like, it's a giraffe door. <laughs> like, do you That's call you awesome. call a manufacturer like, yeah, we need a door for a giraffe. It needs to be 26 feet tall and six feet wide. Like, that's just, I don't know why. I just thought it was so like situationally hilarious. That's pretty funny. But there's a giant tall door, but it's so skinny. God. So we have a giraffe door. <laughs> Anyways, awesome. yeah. Anyways, sidetrack. Nice. Anyway, um, yeah. Check out the Indianapolis Zoo. It's um, cool. Actually, I actually want to go this year. Very nice place. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, so anyway, so yeah, we're going to be reviewing the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And before we do that, oh, also, since we didn't get to do our Prime Selections episode, we're kind of going to kind of double up and do Black Panther review plus our Prime Selections. So uh, if you've been waiting for us to talk about uh, conspiracy and Marjorie Prime. Uh, you don't have to wait that much longer. 
So, but before we get to all of that, we're actually going to have a couple of quick news things that aren't necessarily news. I just want to give a quick shout out to another podcast called The Grand Gesture, which is a podcast that uh, they reached out to me because of Letterboxd, actually, um, to have me on to be a guest on their show to discuss uh, that awkward moment. Because as as the uh, hosts uh, told me, um, I'm one of the only people who liked the movie on Letterboxd. <laughs> um, that awkward moment being the rom-com with Michael B. Jordan, uh, I think Miles Teller and... Um, Zach Efron. Uh, oh, Zach Efron, not Miles... Miles Teller's in this too. Miles Teller. So wait, who was the other guy? Michael B. Oh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Miles Teller and and Zac Efron. Um. So anyway, uh. So I was going to be on that show, but unfortunately, I couldn't get the schedules worked out. But I just want to give a quick shout out to the Grand Gesture. Uh. Check them out. Uh. I've listened to several of their episodes. It's a lot of. It's it's really cool. Um. They basically break down the romance in, in movies. Uh. By like the uh the meet cute the. This kind of setup and the breakup and the the grand gesture essentially it's it's a really cool podcast and nice. I'm going to be listening to a lot of it yeah so check that out once again it's called the grand gesture and then the other piece of news that <clears throat> I I okay so I haven't even seen this trailer but tiny I wanted to bring this up because uh, as part of our to give to give context to our listeners. Um, <clears throat> You and I used to work together as security guards working nights. Yep. And so I don't, I don't know if I want to even bring this up because it's like not necessarily embarrassing, but it's something that I, I didn't really follow through on a creative endeavor. I never followed through on. Okay. But, um, and I wasn't very good at it, but you remember how I dabbled with like trying to write screenplays and stuff? Oh yeah. I remember. Okay. Yeah. So do you remember, I don't know how I'm going to present this. So first of all, <clears throat> there is a, okay. I don't know if you're aware of this movie. So, let me start this way. When I was doing that, I had this idea that I, I guess like it was, it was like the most, like my idea was like, just do the most weird, like stupid, ridiculous thing just mm-hmm. to kind of get the format down. Do you remember what that was? I believe I do. Yes. What? Uh, I think, was it security guards who no. were at, at work? No, that was the one I was more serious about. Okay. <laughs> I had a set. I had another idea that was. Uh, you'll remember it when I when I say it. Okay, but, I'm sure I will. Um, okay, so anyway, it was called Tornado Train. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I remember some of your ideas. I really <laughs> right. wanted you to write that. <laughs> yes. So, for context for our listeners, Tornado Train was my. Um, Magnum opus, I would say. Yeah. Um, I had a few like scant ideas around it. it. Basically, it was a train that was being pursued by a tornado. Um, and uh, a couple of ideas uh, that I had part as part of it was that a there would be a scene in like the dining car with a bunch of like gruff, like gritty, like bad guys. Yes. That they would be planning. They would be planning like uh, some kind of misdeed. And they would like drink on it, but every single one of them would like take a shot of whiskey or take a drink of their whiskey or something. <laughs> but they would not be able to hold their gag reflex. Be like, oh, they would be, oh, they would yes. react so hard to it. I remember the laughing really hard yes. at that. And the funny thing is, the reason why that was part of the idea and everything is that you know they say you should write what you know. <laughs> and yeah. I can like that's my reaction every time I like drink liquor. Yeah. So yeah, so that was that was one idea. My one my other idea that I was really proud of <laughs> for as stupid as it was 
was that I wanted a character to – it kind of had like a Western kind of feel to it. Yeah. So like imagine like a saloon in that scene, like as the dining car is like a kind of a mini saloon. And then you would have this one like gunslinger character who is so pissed off at the tornado for chasing them and, and wreaking havoc that he like – he goes to the like caboose of the – or the back of the train and – uh he would say like something like go to hell you tornado or something and then <laughs> would fire a gun at the tornado because that would work but the but it would go like into like not necessarily bullet time but like the point of view of the bullet and it would like show it firing from the gun and going in slow motion toward the tor- tornado and then getting whipped around in the in the uh in the kind of cyclone of the tornado mm-hmm. and then turning around and just getting the guy right in the head <laughs> like i thought that would be a cool thing yeah so anyway the reason why i'm saying this embarrassing story is that tiny are you aware of this movie that's coming out like next month oh my god no what's it called okay let me uh first of all my lawyers are it's not it's not the same thing but it's okay. the title is the hurricane heist oh and um, the plot description is yes i've yes. seen the trailer for this how is the trailer because i haven't seen it it's uh, <laughs> you could have written it <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um thieves attempt a massive heist against the u.s treasury as a category five tornado or category five hurricane approaches one of its mint facilities yeah um so I can't wait to see this movie. Oh my god! Uh, directed by Rob Cohen, who directed the first Fast and the Furious movie. Um, cast includes Toby Kebbell, Maggie Grace, uh, Ryan Quentin, Quentin, um, and who else do I recognize? I think that's it. A whole bunch of nobody that I recognize. Right. But yeah, I just like every time like I I hear about it on like Twitter or anything, I'm like. Almost my idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't think of that when I completely forgot about Tornado Train. Oh, yeah. Everyone else will after <laughs> five minutes after listening to this episode. Yeah. Oh, Copyright man. Matt Hurt, obsessiveviewer.com, by the way. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, uh, I just wanted to bring that to your attention. Then <laughs> every time I thought that, I, I just, I don't know, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. Uh, yeah, so th- I think that'll do it with news. Um, yeah, if you want to hear more about Tornado Train, uh, you know, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Check back in theaters next year. Yeah, well, Shooting that's, for a 2019 release. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tornado 19 release. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Give me money, Hollywood. <laughs> Anyway, so that that's about it for news. I don't have anything else for news. Yeah. Um, let's see. Anything else you want to bring up, or should we dive into our Black Panther review? I think we should dive into our review. Sweet. All right. Well, let's see. So let's talk about Black Panther. First of all, um, I'm going to read the plot description, courtesy of IMDb. Um, okay, so Black Panther is the, I believe, 18th Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, it is the plot description, according to IMDb, is... T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, rises to the throne in the isolated, technologically advanced African nation, but his claim is challenged by a vengeful outsider. Um, so this movie stars um, some really great, um, uh, a really great cast. There is Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, 
um, oh, what is her name? Uh, Danae. Danae Guerrera. Guerrera. Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Martin Freeman. Uh, 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 um, Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. Um, Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people. Um, also, uh, an appearance by um, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Which I thought was uh, it was pretty surprising. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is, like we said, the uh, 18th, I believe, um, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. So, Tiny, what were your expectations going into Black Panther? Of course, we'll do a non-spoiler review and then do a spoiler review after that. So, how, what was your anticipation for this? Uh, did you read any of the hype or anything? And uh, what were your feelings going into the movie? Um, I was I was curious how just how much it was going to infuse with, like, the Avengers and, like, the actual cinematic universe. Um, I was wondering, like, if there was going to be like an Avenger making a cameo in it or I don't know, Spider-Man, some other big Marvel mm-hmm. character who's going to be in the infinity war movie, um, mm-hmm. Dr. Strange or Ant-Man or somebody. Um, so I was, I was curious about that. I was kind of looking forward to something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I was just expecting to, I was expecting this movie to kind of set itself apart because, it is such a really important movie, like like Wonder Woman. You know, it has a hu- it has a big, uh, a big cause behind it. I mm-hmm. guess I mean, cause might not be the right word, but yeah. um, you it's know, cultural a lot of meaning behind important. it. Yeah, yeah, cultural importance. Yeah. yeah. So um, I wanted them to do it right. And I wanted to, I wanted them to set set this movie apart and mm-hmm. and kind of you know acknowledge that to a, a pretty high degree. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was expecting. Um, yeah. And it's, I think it did a decent job delivering on that. So nice. And what was the, uh, well, my expectations for it are pretty much the same. I wasn't, I, w- I was really hopeful that there wasn't going to be any tie into the Marvel cinematic universe. Oh, okay. I wanted it to be kind of a standalone thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just because I felt like it would have been a little, uh, if they would have included some like Easter eggs or any, any like, characters or anything from other mcu movies i feel like it would have been it would have been perceived as a crutch like Mm -hmm. oh we're not so sure if black panther is going to sell let's bring in the hulk and okay that's true yeah um so i think it shows a lot of faith from marvel and disney that they were able to do this movie kind of as a standalone kind of thing um obviously it's uh Obviously, it has elements that were introduced in other Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, like uh, like Andy uh, Andy Serkis's character was introduced in Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. and of course uh, T'Challa himself, Black Panther, was introduced in Civil War. Um, yeah. So this movie, yeah. Uh, what was the theater experience like? When when did you go? You had asked if we uh, you had invited me to go, but I already had plans to, so I'm I'm sorry. Yes, I guess I was late to the party. You were. I yeah. had to go stag. Yeah. How yeah. how was that? What theater did you go to first of all? Uh, it was. I had a really good theater experience. I went to. Um, nice. Actually, went to Shiloh. Oh, nice. Um, my go-to is. Um, Trader's Point. It's Trader's Point mm-hmm. uh, on the northwest side of Indy. But I actually went out to Avon uh, mm-hmm. for Shiloh, which is uh, kind of our old stomping grounds, if you yes. will. Um, and so uh, I went out there just because the time was better. Um, I went on a Sunday matinee at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I had such a great time and it was notable is because it was sold out. Nice. Which is awesome. Sunday at 1. Uh, Sunday awesome. at 1, it was sold out. That's and so cool. uh, And there were... There were people there, like decked out in like African garb. That's so cool. Not a lot, 
like I think it was maybe only a half dozen people, but mm. it was cool. And like there were like little kids there who were like, yeah, Black Panther. And mm-hmm. um, everybody was really respectful and everything got laughs and stuff like the stuff that needed laughs got laughs. And mm. it was just a really positive experience. Um, nice. You know, you kind of expect, I think even when like going to like a Spider-Man showing or mm. one of the other like Avengers movies and stuff, I don't really see people dressed up. Right. And if they do, it's like, you know, an Iron Man mask or something like that. Yeah. And it doesn't, it just feels a little bit like you're fanboying, mm-hmm. but this was completely different. Cause it was like, like this is part of who I am as a person, mm-hmm. part of my culture. And that's why I'm dressing up. That was like, it had extra meaning that way. Like, like for yeah. so many people, it wasn't just a movie, you know? Right. So that's I could, so awesome. I could totally feel that when, as I was like watching it. So mm-hmm. nice. Pretty yeah. special. That's awesome. No one was like dressed up or anything at, at my my viewing of it, but it's interesting because like we've even talked about with the uh, I think with Mike wh- how he's talked about how like like the Star Wars movies used to be like events like he used to right. go to midnight and everything and get dressed up and have like little lightsaber fights and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But anymore, it's just like it's just a a movie that comes out again. Yeah. Um. And like even when we saw Star Wars, um. Like I remember seeing just people just like in Star Wars shirts and stuff, but not not anyone was like, no one was like really dressed up or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really cool that they uh, that 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 Black Panther brought that out in the in the fan base. Absolutely. Um, as for my theater experience, it was also pretty packed. I don't think it was sold out. I actually went to a Saturday night uh, screening at like six forty. It's funny because um, my friend who I go see movies with uh, sent me a text and was like, "Hey, suggestion." We sh- since it's Saturday and it's it's Black Panther and this is a big movie, we should get to the theater like half an hour early to make sure that it's not like a long line to get to get our tickets because we pay in advance and and go through the line and like at AMC theaters, you know you can kind of bypass the line of people buying their tickets if you're a Stubbs member, but or a Premier member or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. but like the last like a few times when we've gone, it's been like back like we've had to wait like 10 or 15 minutes to get through the line so we expected it to be like that but i mean it was actually pretty quick like we uh we just went in and just got our tickets it was like it was it wasn't an issue even though it was a packed house and everything but fortunately the line wasn't long so we ended up getting a drink which i love the amc theaters have they how they have the mcguffins the bar bar yeah um unfortunately that led to me having to really pee and yeah i I missed stanley's cameo Uh uh-huh yeah but anyway, we'll get to that in my review or in our review. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so yeah, it was a packed house, a really great crowd. I love, I loved the experience because like everyone erupted in in uh, applause at the end of it, and I thought that was really cool. Nice. Yeah. Um. So let's go into our kind of broad feelings about the movie as a whole. Of course, we'll keep the spoiler free, and then we'll dive into spoilers. Um after we exhaust our non-spoiler review. <laughs> uh, so, Tiny, overall, uh, like, in broad strokes, what did you think of Black Panther? Uh, I thought it was good. I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, mm-hmm. most notably for the cast. I think the casting was just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could not imagine any other or think of any other better actors who play these roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I also really loved the story, Um the the central conflict um kind of is kind of a slow play it kind of comes in a little bit later um in the movie than you would think necessarily um and just that the story i think was really well played um um however there were a couple things i was a little bit let down by i feel like um 
the action was a little generic. Um, I, I I wasn't real happy with the um, the camera work and, and the action. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just okay. It didn't stick out to me like a lot of the other MCU movies. Um, I I was a little let down there. And then um, I I I wanted there to be like an Avenger in it. Like I wanted mm-hmm. there to be like a, uh, you know Iron Man shows up or right. wh- Thor whoever. Um, I didn't really, really even care who it was, but mm-hmm. and. I, I agree. I don't necessarily disagree with what you said about how, you know, Marvel was like, no, Black Panther can like, this is a, it's, it's a, it's a good standalone movie. We don't right. need, we don't need the help from that. And mm-hmm. I don't, I did, I don't, I didn't want that cameo for that reason. I wanted okay. the cameo because I feel like it's kind of the opposite of that. I feel like it's like, we have so much faith in Black Panther that we're presenting him as being part of this big team that like, you know, will eventually take on Thanos and in, mm-hmm. in these movies. And like, he's, he's a legit superhero. So legit that, you know, Tony Stark needs to show up and like talk to him and be like, Hey, we need your help, you okay. know, or something like that. That's kind of how I like, you know, he's on the radar of the Avengers, which obviously he is because of, um, civil, uh, war. civil war. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just, I think it would have been, it would have been a sort of an inclusionary thing. Um, sure. including black Panther and the MCU a little bit more. Um, but kind it it wasn't solidify a, him being in, in yeah war. I didn't hate it but I was mm-hmm. I was sort of expecting it um, okay like because that was one of my favorite things about like Spider Man Homecoming is yeah. that Tony Stark was throughout the whole movie and or like uh, Falcon in uh, in Ant Man right like that exactly that was a great cameo. It, perfect yeah yeah so I yeah, can understand that I kind of wanted something like that but uh, mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't destroy the movie for me or anything sure but uh, yeah. Nice. Um, overall, for me, I, you know, it's I, I thought the action was pretty cool, mm-hmm. um, but I think that that's mostly just the I don't want to say novelty, but like the kind of uh, the interesting way that Black Panther is is depicted. Like, I mean, he's he's got like like claws and like he's he's like a kitty cat. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> I just I. I yeah, it's funny because I end every episode with like I don't know if you if you've noticed or anything or if you're aware of this tiny, but at the end of each episode after the uh, pre-recorded outro, I have a clip of me saying "kitty." Um, oh my god! From a snap that I sent a year or so ago. Anyway, um, wow. that's officially part of Obsessive Viewer. Anyway, so uh, the action I thought was was pretty cool, um, just because there was there were some elements of it that. <laughs> Uh, sir, the, the very cool thing about Wakanda is it's, it's this technologically advanced society and the way that the technology is depicted in the movie and the kind of variety that we have of different technological, uh, things throughout the movie was uh, like, that was my favorite part of the entire movie. Um, like, yeah, like there's a segment where, or a sequence where, um, I, I won't give anything away, but it involves a, a high speed chase through a city street. Um, in the way that it's depicted in it, um, in the kind of technology that's used with, with Black Panther, like on the top of a, of a car. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that that was such a cool, a cool, like element to bring to the, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Totally. Um, just really cool. Um, yeah. And then let's see, what about, uh, performances? I, 
first of all, uh, Chadwick Boseman, uh, the accent that he uses for T'Challa, I, I just, I, there's something about it. I just, it's like, I love hearing it. Like it's mm. such a great accent. Yeah. Um, and I think that he's, he's really good at, in the role as well. Like he definitely has this kind of young King kind of embodiment to him that isn't, isn't overbearing. Like he's very, he's kind of the stoic character. Um, but he's got advisors and people in his life that are like, he's not like this just uh emotionless person. Like he has these emotions that uh, he, in these interactions that he has with other characters are just, just bring out the, uh, the dimension to his character a lot, a lot. Right. Um, but he's yeah. very humble too. Exactly. For a king. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been a Chadwick Boseman fan for a while. Um, I loved him in uh, 42. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he was he was the best part of that movie. Yeah, um, I agree. And I, I was like, I think this guy's going to go places. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've been a fan of his for a while, and I was ecstatic about him being cast as Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that would have been more perfect is if Michael B. Jordan was cast as Black Panther. Right. <laughs> um, he's easily one of my favorite actors oh, working right now. I just love him. Um, and... Dear God, he's a beautiful man. Um, Seriously, yeah, he's, yeah, like he's just—he's awesome. Mm. Um, Would you? Are you talking about Michael B. Jordan? Yes. Would you say that he's an Adonis Creed? Oh, Adonis Creed. oh my God! Yeah. Call back anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, like one thing that was interesting was I think, um, and I hope this goes over well, but Chadwick Boseman like wasn't in like ridiculous shape for the movie. Like he was in, uh, yeah. he was in good, like he's in good shape. He's right. obviously oh, yeah. great physical, uh, stature, but mm. he wasn't like, he was like Michael B. Jordan was go- right. ungodly ripped and bulked up. And he wasn't, he wasn't like, you know, like Thor, like the first Thor movie. Right. Like he was like, that was just, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just mm. saying, it's it's just kind of it was kind of different to see. Yeah. I expected him to be just shredded beyond belief. So you're saying that Chadwick Boseman, who <clears throat> appeared in 42, had that baseball player body, while Michael B. Yes. Jordan had a boxer body. Yes, previously appeared in Creed. Exactly. <laughs> no, but like I'm not. It's not a criticism or anything. It's just something. It's just something I noticed, and I was kind of like, refreshing. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And it made those kind sequences of. where, like, the challenges in the movie, right, a little more like. Because okay, you have if you have like Chris Hemsworth being challenged for the throne of Asgard, um, and you see like Chris Hemsworth is freaking ripped, like you said, like right. okay, yeah, you know, it's no no brainer. But I think part of that is also the kind of humbleness that you mentioned that Chadwick Boseman brings to the character. It's like you think like okay, well, the stakes are really high because when he's being challenged for the throne, it's like you know that you, in terms of the character and the way that he's emoting through the movie and through through uh, his actions and his demeanor and everything you know that if if he were to fail in the in one of these challenges he would be he wouldn't like challenge the challenge or anything like right. he would he would you know do what's uh he would honor the results and that's something that comes through really well in very few words mhm yeah. yeah. And then for the rest of the cast, I, I thought everybody was really good. Um, Martin Freeman, his, I feel like his character is just, just a little drab. Just, yeah. A little bit boring. Like not, not terrible. Um, but if it wasn't, if it wasn't Martin Freeman playing that character, mm-hmm. he'd be 
beyond forgettable i think he kind of felt like that he kind of felt more like he was that uh that mc established mcu character tie-in right because he was in civil war for like a brief like a few brief scenes yeah um and i kind of feel like in this movie he kind of felt a little um a little i don't know what the word i'm looking for not pigeonholed or anything but he's kind of like he was kind of placed there to be the mcu anchor um, right. Not that I didn't like his performance because I I liked his performance quite a bit, but it felt like, from my perspective, it felt like we didn't really need that because Wakanda is its own entity and like we like Ch- T'Challa's story is is uh, inter- interesting enough without the you know the CIA right Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. Yeah. Um. Did yeah. you see the tweet that's been going around about? Um, Andy Serkis and yeah. Martin Freeman, so great. Laughed really hard. Me too. For yeah. for context, um, the tw- the tweet is uh something to the effect of Martin Freeman and um Andy Serkis both appeared in uh in The Hobbit, and uh they are the only white uh characters in Black Panther. So you might say that they're the Tolkien white guys. Yeah. Which I thought was so great. Yeah, I laughed really hard at that one. Yeah. Which, what did you think of, uh, Andy Serkis and, and, uh, Claw? Uh, as far as like physicality, Andy Serkis is the new Gary Oldman. Oh, he yeah. He is a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Like to look at him, like if you look at his IMDb picture, mm-hmm. he looks like a pasty, frizzy British man. He, d- he really but, does. But if, but if you look at, the, what he looks like in this movie yeah he looks like this scary like mm-hmm. he looks like a guy who plays rugby for fun right and just demolishes people and yeah. he's like super intimidating and I, I i feel like that says a lot about you as a person what? That, like oh he plays rugby for fun <laughs> like because <laughs> rugby's hard it's, it's such a grueling <laughs> thing he actually plays it for fun <laughs> <laughs> like the, yeah, like he looks like he just goes and beats the shit out of people for fun. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Like he's he's he, very intimidating. Yeah, he looks crazy in this movie. I loved mm-hmm. it, and oh yeah, his voice and his whole attitude mm-hmm. is just he's just a nutball. He, yeah. you know, I think some people might make the argument that he's a little over the top, but sure, I yeah. I really didn't feel that way. I thought he was maybe close to the line, but I mm-hmm. just thoroughly enjoyed uh, his performance. He was great. So then, as far as some of the other big performances, um. Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Guerrera, and uh, Letitia Wright, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the three female leads of the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought they were all just perfect casting, um, really deep characters, lots of like comic relief. And uh, yeah. just, I love Denai Guerrera, first of all. She's mm-hmm. she's one of the best parts of The Walking Dead still. Um, right. um, but yeah, I, I, Lupita Nyong'o is awesome. And mm-hmm. yeah, I she's also very... Like such a diverse actor. If you look at her short body of work so far, she's played so much, yes. so much different kind of stuff. And I'm glad that they got her for this movie. Me too. Lupita Nyong'o was was fantastic in it, but um, Letitia Wright stole every scene. She did. Um, as as T'Challa's sister, who kind of is the is the cue to his James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she like. I I loved every second that she was on screen and there's a lot of talk about how like how they should do like a Women of Wakanda spin-off movie and yeah. I'm all for that. I think I already said that. Totally. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh what else? 
Um, uh, I feel like um, Angela Bassett didn't really have anything to work with at all. She really didn't. There was really no room for another character yeah. that had a lot of depth. So, yeah. and I feel like uh, I feel like the the kind of uh, romantic subplot with him and Lupita Nyong'o. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like that kind of felt a little underdeveloped as well. A little forced, too. yeah, because it was kind of like. We can save that for spoilers, actually. Okay. Um, I mean, it was needed. Like, it, like it was. I see what they were going for with it, but it just kind of felt a little underwhelming for me, or not as impactful as it could have been. Mm-hmm. And then the last two performances I think that are notable are Daniel Kaluuya mm-hmm. as Wakabi. Um, I thought I thought also he just didn't have a lot to work with either. He wasn't like a really well-rounded right. character. Um, but not not as a result of his performance, just mm-hmm. kind of a. You, there's only so much time you can develop for each character. So, yeah. um, and then Winston Duke as M'Baku has like kind oh, of the, yes. the outsider tribe. Great. Like he was comic great. relief. And yeah, he was the kind he had, a, he had a very larger than life kind of presence. Mm-hmm. Um, totally like fit for like a, a king or like a leader of a tribe yeah. character. Very he intimidating. Was, yeah. I, I wasn't familiar um, with him at all. Um, yeah, but I don't think I am either. I'd love to see him in more stuff. Cause he was, like very magnetic. Totally. Yeah. And, um, like, like I said, he's very intimidating, but also he has this, uh, um, kind of comedic timing that really, really kind of undermines the, the intimidation. Yeah. While still making him very intimidating. Right. Just because of his stature and everything. Um, and then finally, of course, I don't think we've really talked about this that much uh, in the non-spoiler that much, but Michael B. Jordan, man. Yeah. He was phenomenal. He is. I love that guy. uh, I saw this great tweet that said something to the effect of uh, (laughs) between Chris Evans and Michael B. Jordan, Marvel Studios has successfully rescued uh, both of the uh, failed Human Torch actors. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which I thought was great. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I, it kind of blew my mind just a little bit. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of like the the kind of meme after Civil War where like the scene in Civil War where uh, Captain America tells Peter Parker, he's like, hey, where are you from? And he's like, Queens. And he's like, Brooklyn. Just reminds me of like the bit where like on like the meme where it says like, where are you from? Oh, Sony. Oh, uh, Fox. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but oh, Michael man. B. Jordan, he, I mean, this is his his character's name is uh Killmonger and he is I mean we'll talk more in spoilers but um he is one of the most well-rounded villains in yeah, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Definitely. And just the emotion that he brings to the role and the emotion of his his backstory and the, and the the character himself like it it's far and away like one of the best like like character arcs in the MCU in my opinion. If if he if he didn't have such basically evil intentions, he would almost be like an anti-hero. Totally. Like oh, you, yeah. you almost like root for him a little you bit. You totally get where he's yeah, coming from. Absolutely. And it's just, oh, it's, it's so great how it's, how it's handled, how it, how it concludes. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And like what they managed to achieve with his character in, in one movie is, mm-hmm. is really impressive. You know, we've, we've talked many times about the villain issue in the Marvel cinematic universe. Right. There's you reference, 
a lot of other movies like mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy and yeah. you know other several other movies mm-hmm. like the villain is just like kind of there, kind of a placeholder. Right. And this was not that at all. Totally. Yeah. Really good stuff. Did Brian Coogler write this too? Ryan Coogler, yeah, Ryan he did. Coogler. Did he? Okay. He wrote, yeah, well he had some help, but Right, right. Um and yeah, so okay. Um <laughs> I want to talk about Ryan Coogler, but mm-hmm. first while we're circling the the villain thing, I went on a, a little three tweet rant um because I saw at least one or two articles that uh like the the headline was Killmonger is the is the best MCU villain. And like that alone's fine. Like I like that. But that's the premise of the article. But the headline needed to specify or like needed to add um yes, even better than Loki. And like mm. I just I, I have kind of a bug up my ass about that because at this point, we're eighteen movies into this in this sim- cinematic universe. Are we really still is there is there really still a compelling argument for Loki being the best Marvel villain or even a great Marvel villain. Because when you compare it to like Killmonger's arc in Black Panther, I mean, the way I worded it in, in the tweet was that uh, characterization um, trumps charisma any day of the week. And I feel like the big thing that people like love about Loki is the that he's this charismatic villain. And like, I mean, Tom Hiddleston does a fantastic job, but the truth of the matter is him as a villain in the MCU is he was introduced in Thor, which was one of the worst, if not the worst, uh, phase one movies. Mm-hmm. And he is like his arc in the first Avengers movie is that he is just a, um, uh, power hungry person who has a MacGuffin that brings just nameless hordes of aliens to earth right and it's just like there's not enough there from a character level and i love that we're at a point in the marvel cinematic universe where we get this very like richly defined um villain and it's even been evident in other movies too like um thor ragnarok kind of had that with hella and then um even more so with uh with spider-man homecoming with vulture like his his that character was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that we're getting to the point where like Marvel studios is listening to us and everything, but I just don't really like this conversation where it's like, Oh, well what about Loki? It's like Loki is not that compelling of a villain. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he's that great. Yeah. You know, I haven't spent enough time thinking about like, who's the best, mm-hmm. but I think, I mean, Loki's a top five for me, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I just keep, I just think back to his, um, how diabolical he is because mm-hmm. he's always running some kind of scheme or, you know, you can't, you think he's being nice or he's joining the ranks and then he's, he's ultimately not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just a super villainous characteristic of him. And maybe that's it's, fair. I mean, it's, it's a little mischievous. Mm-hmm. You could almost he's, write it, write he's it the off God as of mischief. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You could write it off as, as mischief as opposed to villainy or like evil, um, malice. But I I don't know I guess he yeah I don't know if I'd say he's the best but he's I mean he's probably top three for me okay that's yeah. fair yeah. I just think that it's just the repetition of him like oh he's on Thor's side oh no he's not yeah. kind of thing and it's just I kind of feel like part of the conversation around Loki being the best villain or one of the greatest villains is that 
and maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I kind of feel like it's, I kind of feel like people are looking at just Avengers through rose colored glasses. Cause Avengers was a huge movie. Right. Like we didn't know, like uh, just the fact that they were bringing all these people together and everything. So of course, like that experience is, is very much tied to a, like a very great experience. But mm-hmm. if you go back and look at it critically, I mean, Loki isn't that like, it's just not a, a very well-defined character. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's, a, that's a, too much of a digression, but, um, yeah, uh, but, but Killmonger, man, he was great. Yeah. Eric Killmonger is a better villain than, yeah. than Loki. Oh, absolutely. Without question. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just again, Michael B. Jordan is ripped and, and yeah. as I was watching <laughs> it, I was thinking like, can Michael B. Jordan be in everything? Right. Can they cast him in every movie? Right. I, I, he just, I can't take my eyes off the guy. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. There was, it was funny cause there was a, <laughs> a thing from, I think Vanity Fair. They did a thing where it was like celebrities share their hidden talents and his was, uh, ironing. <laughs> um, and it's just a video of him ironing a shirt and talking about how like, oh, I just think it's soothing and everything. And then like, I know it's like a couple of like film critics I follow, like, like women film critics were like, this is the hottest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But yeah, it, like he, and he seems like just a, a charming individual. Like he yeah, seems yeah. like a yeah. super nice guy. Totally. Um, yeah. So before we go into spoilers, I didn't talk about this at the top, but let's talk a little bit about Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. Um, he has had three movies. Um, and like he's hit home runs critically all three times he had fruitville station uh creed and now black panther mm-hmm. um now we uh, i know i i at least had some kind of issues with uh fruitville station it didn't really connect with me that much but i mean we loved creed and now yeah. black panther like how excited are you about ryan coogler's career very very excited um this this is bad but up until like i saw the movie black mm-hmm. panther I didn't, I didn't even know he was a black guy Oh really? Um, Ryan Coogler is like one of the whitest names I've ever heard. <laughs> it really is. Um, uh, <laughs> and so I didn't even know he was a black. It didn't really matter. I no, mean, I, no. I mean, because I I actually liked Fruitvale Station a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I and should then, really revisit it. I had, yeah, I had some just minor quibbles with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I think if I if I revisited it. I would probably appreciate it more. I I love the way it was filmed, like it was shot. Like mm-hmm. I remember the way because it's about Oscar Grant's last day um, before he's you know killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I remember being impressed with the way that the time was shown, like, yeah, on the, sc- in, on the screen. And of course, it had uh, supporting supporting performance by Octavia Spencer, who mm, yeah. I think she is just far and away an incredible actress absolutely so yeah but anyway yeah yeah uh, i mean ryan coogler stars on the rise and mm-hmm. it's for good reason i mean uh, i saw somebody somebody uh posted a tweet i don't know if it was a tweet or what it was i think i know what you're gonna say um, Go it was ahead. like he had like a nine hundred thousand dollar budget for fruitvale station and it made like 20 million bucks <laughs> they gave him like 40 million for creed and it made like 160 and now they gave him like two hundred million to make Black Panther, and again he's probably going to double or triple that. I I think uh, yeah I think I I don't want to quote this, but I want to say that two hundred like that's what it made it back in its opening weekend. Yeah, oh yeah, it did. It yeah. made like two hundred and twenty or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, the um, the tweet that I thought you were going to bring up was that uh, uh, it was something to the effect of like 
um, I just I just realized that Ryan Coogler is is only thirty one years old, and now I'm rethinking all of my life choices. I know, God, yeah, yeah he's our age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of the Friends bit where uh, where Monica's dating the millionaire that's played by John Favreau. Uh, yeah, somewhat ironically because he directed Iron Man and right. Iron Man Two, but um, where Chandler's just like, "You're our age." <laughs> like he just keeps repeating like you're our age <laughs> that's right yeah um, but yeah i think uh coogler and jordan is the next scorsese scorsese dicaprio oh my god yes yeah like, like if they pair up i'm there yeah after after seeing black panther i was like I, I i never want them to do a movie like i never want one of them or i never want ryan coogler to do a movie without michael b jordan yeah like, yeah they like they're the way that they work together is so great and it comes it comes across as just an incredible pairing absolutely yeah yes. um so we're going to dive into spoilers uh i'm going to play a clip from the trailer and then we're going to dive into spoilers for black panther so um if you haven't seen the movie go and turn this off go check it out and come back and listen to it so here's your warning we are going to go into spoilers for black black panther starting now waited my entire life for this. The world's gonna start over. I'ma burn it all. What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. You will not be able to stay home, brother. Um, all right, so we are spoilers on for Black Panther. And before we actually begin, I'm going to read some of the comments we got on the Facebook group. I posted and asked what everyone thought of Black Panther, and I got some uh, responses here. Okay, so we got uh, some responses. Uh, Matt Quiet from Nerds Domain said, I loved it. Actually re- reviewed it for our podcast, uh, Nerds Domain, so check that out. Uh, our One of our Patreon subscribers, uh, Robert Garter, who has suggested a review for us next week, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode. He said, loved it. I know it's in my top five of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Just need to see it again to narrow it down. And then uh, our latest... Um, Patreon subscriber Curtis Crutchfield said, loved it, had some pacing issues between Killmonger's first and second appearances. Also, some of the CG was wonky. Overall, it's my third favorite Marvel movie after Winter Soldier and Avengers 1. Wow. Yep. And then a uh, friend of the show, Brandon Yotter, from Billion Brandon Watch Movies and Snapshot Productions, said, meh, had some great parts and some terrible parts, some pacing problems, as some of the others have mentioned. Black Panther himself is really boring. I just don't like his portrayal. Zero charisma, and I lose interest while he's talking. Uh, <laughs> Killmonger was one of the few great villains, and Claw was great, but underused. Everyone around Black Panther was good. I loved his sister. I'd watch a solo film with her. Uh, she was really fun, played by Letitia Wright. I agree completely. Mm-hmm. Um, wish I would have waited for the post credit scene. They still haven't given me a reason to care about Winter Soldier. Oh, oh, he said, wish I wouldn't have waited for that post credit scene. They still haven't given me a reason to care about Winter Soldier. Overall, probably bottom third or middle of the pack of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies for me. Glad I watched it, but probably won't go out of my way to ever watch it again. Hmm. Interesting. So, Tiny, what, what do you think of the well, uh I wasn't quite that negative as mm-hmm. as Brandon, but I'm. I think his ultimate 
statement there of middle of the pack or bottom third is similar. I'd say it's a middle of the pack MCU movie for me. Okay. Um, sure. Yeah. Again, I liked it, and there's a lot of things I like, but um, the one of my biggest action issues qualms with it was the the final climactic battle between the two Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. You have two characters in completely black suits fighting in a completely black cave on a black train rail. That's true. I like and then and, and then there just wasn't that much of it. Right. It was kind of rushed and it, I I don't know. I really did not I was not into that final like fight between those two at all. Um interesting. Yeah, I I just didn't care for it that much. Uh, you know what's interesting to me, and to kind of talk more about the kind of pacing issues that Brandon and some other people have brought up in general, um, you know, it's it's interesting because in the movie, I, while I was in the movie, I was thinking when it came to the kind of final, like the the climax of the movie with the kind of Wakandan, <laughs> Wakandan Civil War mm-hmm. um, going on, um, and the two Black Panthers fighting each other. Um, I kind of thought, like, I had this weird feeling where I was like, this doesn't feel like it should be ending. Like, it feels like we need more time in this world. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, I'm kind of counting that as, oh, this, the pacing worked on me. <laughs> like, it, um, I wanted to live in the world more and I wanted yeah. to be more in, in the world. But I wouldn't be surprised if going back and re, revisiting it and everything, I wouldn't be surprised if I, kind of gets a little um i i if i wouldn't be surprised if i feel like the movie is disjointed mm. but in the moment in that the kind of novelty of seeing um black panther for the first time kind of was what drew me in and and made me more excited about it yeah um brief I, oh go ahead i i do agree about claw i think he w- i wanted to see more of him and like <laughs> me too not necessarily i wanted to see more of him i just wish he wasn't dead <laughs> right um i wish he was yeah. going to be in more marvel movies but cuz he was just great so when he killed claw um i turned to to my friend and i said and and prepare yourself to laugh tiny and listeners prepare yourself to be laughing really hard i said more like michael b killin uh, killed Claw. Yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, I was thrown out of the theater. More like <laughs> Eric Clawmonger. I feel better now. <laughs> I feel much better. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. But no, uh, I do agree. Claw. I kind of wish was a little more uh, in the movie when uh, the post credit scene happened and we see Bucky Barnes. I kind of, I kind of wanted him to be like. So, can I get one of those prosthetic arms? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Yep. Because, like, the way that I, I love the, I love the kind of the way his arm, uh, Claw's arm worked and everything. It's, yeah. It was, it was kind of cool. But I agree. He was kind of, it kind of felt like the build up toward, um, toward Michael B. Jordan's rise as the, as a true villain of the movie kind of felt a little, um, like it took a backseat to Claw's kind of thing. It kind of felt like Claw was the whole Claw sequences um, in the first couple acts were um, kind of just um, not placeholders, but they were kind of like kind of eaten up runtime. So till till we can get to the true big bad of the of the of the movie, right? Yeah, and I, and I mean, I didn't. I thought that the um, Claw sequences were really cool, like that that chase sequence. Um, in South Korea, like that, uh, like I talked about the technology with, uh, (laughs) 
the virtual reality kind of car driving with Letitia Wright's character driving. Right. Uh, just really cool, inventive technology for the for the movie. Yeah, I think that was yeah. probably like some, my favorite action of the movie. Yeah, was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Did you? And this is so nerdy and probably a little too like inside baseball, or it's too much like tower junkies, but. The disc uh, weapons that uh, uh, Lapita Nyong'o's character had, mm-hmm. did those remind you of a certain disc-based weapon in the Dark Tower series? Now that you say it, yes. Yes. But I, I didn't think of it on the spot. Okay. And then the scene where uh, Daniel, I, I don't remember his last or how to pronounce his last name, the guy from 50 Million Merits. Yeah. And Get Out. Right. Um, <laughs> um, the, when he had the horn to call the, the rhinos. Oh, that yeah. I think of. Yeah. Anyway, that's a, a small tangent. But what did you? How did you feel about that big fight sequence? I, I'll I'll steamroll you before you can answer. But um, my thought, like, I kind of the more I reflect on it, I kind of felt like that was a little sudden that you have Wakandans fighting Wakandans over two different Black Panthers when one, like, I I get it and everything, but it kind of seems like Michael B. Jordan's character is definitely you know, clearly a bad guy. Right. Um, so it kind of felt a little, um, it, I didn't necessarily buy into it that much that they would actually be fighting. Right. That heavily. Like willing to kill each other over it yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. And then like Daniel Kaluuya's, his like, Kaluuya. his like willingness to so quickly just kind of flip or, mm-hmm. um, I feel like, I, feel, I just feel like there wasn't a lot of motivation for him to do that there. Yeah. It was just kind of, like like I said, his character was just pretty understated anyways, so. He was, and he was a little underdeveloped, but I'll kind of push back on the, uh, the idea of him, uh, it being kind of, uh, quick to flip sides, because, um, I think that they built that up well, because he was very, you know, his parents were killed by Claw, and, um, he's been witness to Claw's kind of, you know, destruction of Wakandan people mm-hmm. and, and killing of Wakandan people, um, that when T'Challa wasn't able to deliver on that, and then suddenly there's this guy who's super ripped <laughs> <laughs> delivering, like literally delivering Claw's body to Wakanda. Like I can see, I can see the switch there. Um, mm-hmm. but not to the extent where he's like leading a revolution against T'Challa. Right. Like I kind of felt like when they were kind of fighting or, or when they had their kind of moment there, I was just like, dude, you guys are buddies. I mean, right. Come on. And like sending weapons around the world, like colonize the world for Wakanda. Yeah. Like that's just, that's a bit much. Mm. I liked that element as far as like, um, it it kept the conflict of Black Panther kind of grounded a little bit. Like the the overall conflict, it was you know two Black Panthers fighting for the throne of Wakanda. Right. Um. But it brought like that element of of bringing the weapons to uh, around the world so that to give uh uh black people like power over their oppressors and everything. Mm-hmm. Um. I thought that was a really compelling thing to make it more of a make it more weight to the to the movie like make it more um make the tension more um strong yeah i I like that as a point of conflict i just didn't like Mm -hmm. the the idea that daniel kaluuya's character oh gotcha jumped on board with that so quickly right um 
but yeah, yeah that's true i i i did i i liked mm-hmm. that dynamic as well yeah the, the fact that, that that was his plan all along mm-hmm. i agree with that yeah yeah um and obviously we can't like we're not any authorities on like the race the uh race relations commentary mm-hmm. that it's making and everything. But I love that it it's becoming part of, it is part of the conversation. Like it's yeah. the conversation around black Panther is how it relates to race relations today. And I love that in the beginning you start like the opening scene is 1992 LA and you mm-hmm. see like on the TV, the beginning of the race riots and, right. and L- the LA riots. And I just, I, I, I love how that it's, it didn't shy away. It's not like, Oh, it's a superhero movie. So let's just make this fictional uh, African um, uh, society that's secretive and everything. Like they actually um, put it into context for um, one of the biggest issues facing facing you know the civilized world or uh, facing facing the world today, essentially. Right. Right. Especially here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a kind of to speak to that. There was a line in the movie that I was like just blew me away just at how first of all it was just like a badass line and secondly mm-hmm. just the the idea of it just kind of blew me away it's it's at the end when after Eric Killmonger had been stabbed and mm-hmm. they're kind of looking out at the sunset yes and he said and like uh T'Challa is like yes. you know we could still probably heal you mm-hmm. and he says I, I don't know if this is verbatim but it's pretty close he says no, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who knew that it was better to die than to live in bondage. Yes. I was like, God damn it. That's a badass. That's just a badass thing to say. It is. And first it of was, all, and just like. That was, it was so, and so fucking powerful too. Right, right. Like, man. Yeah, like he's, he's like sticking to his principles through mm-hmm. the end. And yeah. Like, I was just like, damn, that's hardcore. Right. And it was just a, a great a really well worded line to totally. say I was like dang that's just it was just yeah. awesome awesome line yeah yeah and like yeah. didn't pull any punches like no. it's like we're not going to mince words here like right exactly this yeah <laughs> let your white guilt come to the surface <laughs> <Right>. here <laughs> and, and it's amazing that that's like that it's it's this is a mainstream comic book movie marvel studios marvel cinematic universe movie and it has a message mm-hmm. that is so profound yeah. Um it's just it's it's amazing to me. And that 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 alone is what kind of elevates it to a higher uh mark for me. Anyway, um the the very end I was kind of like when he's like at the UN like addressing the UN, mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping he would just like, you know, he'd be wearing the necklace and he would just break out the Black Panther kind of like Tony Stark at the end yeah. of Iron Man. I was kind of hoping for that, but I was right. like, eh, maybe it makes sense to keep him under wraps for now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that would have been kind of cool. True, but I and I love the idea of them, uh, of him buying the, the building. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, that that was that was a nice element and kind of breach, uh, branching out mm-hmm. uh, Wakanda's influence and everything. Right, it's kind of um, like a Stark Industries type deal. Yeah, and let's talk. Uh, let's talk in more detail about um, Killmonger's story because um, it's it's revealed about midway through the movie, I would say, or fairly early, but, um, that he was the son of, uh, um, T'Challa's father, uh, or, or, oh, shit. T'Challa's uncle. Uncle. Yeah. yeah. T'Challa's uncle. Their cousins. Who, 
Yeah, they're cousins in T'Challa's uh, T'Chaka, right? I don't remember his name. I think T'Chaka. Um, well, that T'Chaka had um, basically killed <laughs> um, his brother, his brother, his own brother, and right. that's the impetus of why Killmonger is who he is. Like he right. wants, to, like he is this outcast of this. Uh, of Wakanda, and he he was left behind by his king, mm-hmm. and that's where the anger comes from. He find he feels like he has a rightful, uh, rightful cause to the throne. Mm-hmm. That's more like, well, you know, I deserve it because I was left behind and everything. It's just, right. It's a really great um character arc. Yeah, he's not just greedy or something. Like he's, right, he's exactly. driven by a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's not just like he's not like uh, like Corey Stahl in Ant Man. Like he's right. not like oh, I'm gonna make a suit too. Yeah, um, <laughs> like he actually has like a very well defined arc. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anything else we can really talk about, or should we um, close it out? We can close out our. Okay. Yeah, close it out. Okay, yeah, because we're running a bit long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that is our review of Black Panther. Um, Tiny said it ranks about middle of the ground for you, middle of the pack. Yeah, I would give it a, a 7, 7 out of 10 as well. Okay, um, nice. Which I think I'm supposed to be doing stars, aren't I? Uh, yeah, we're on Letterboxd now. Yeah, we are. Uh, three and a half yeah. stars. Three and a half stars? Okay. Yeah. I think I rated it four and a half stars out of five. Okay. Um, because I really liked it. And I'm curious how it's gonna how it's gonna go on repeat viewings. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. But it, it was it was so much fun. It was a blast. It was profound. It was um just really, really strong performances. Absolutely. Um yeah. So that's our review of Black Panther. And yeah, so next up we're going to finally, finally do our prime selections. This is probably gonna be short because it's been a while. Um, but basically a couple weeks ago on the podcast, we, Tiny and I chose, um, a different, uh, Tiny and I chose a movie for each of us to watch on Amazon Prime. I picked a movie for him to watch. He picked a movie for me to watch. And now we are going to give our thoughts on each movie. So, uh, Tiny, you picked for me the HBO movie from, I think, 2001 called Conspiracy. Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. Or it might have been 2004. But anyway, uh, Conspiracy about Nazis and, and uh basically planning out the the uh the final solution mm-hmm. um and then i picked for you uh 2017's marjorie prime so do you want to go first sure okay so uh let me do you want me to read the plot description sure go ahead. okay so uh the plot description for marjorie prime is a service that provides holographic recreations of deceased loved ones show uh, allows a woman to come face to face with the younger version of her late husband now the reason that i picked it for you is that in my in my um hope to go through as many 2017 movies as i could at the end of the year i happened upon Marjorie Prime, and I rented it, watched it, and I didn't really have a venue to really talk about it. So, um, <laughs> Tiny, how did you feel about Marjorie Prime? Um, it felt like uh, it was like a rejected script from Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's one of the reasons why I rented it, because I'd heard that it was really? Black okay. Mirror-esque. Yeah. Um, I, I just thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't blown away or floored by anything. Um I love the cast. I'll say mm-hmm. that, but um, I feel like I feel like everything about the movie was just so understated. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's some super 
intense emotional happenings going on and emotional moments taking place in the movie, but I feel like the actors aren't and the characters aren't reflecting that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, there's there's some of this discovery about past family history that wasn't necessarily shared between members of the family and mm-hmm. the way that you know you there's this idea that you're preserving uh preserving so in a way this member of your family who's passed away mm-hmm. um but it's kind of like your version of that person as right. opposed to who they actually are and that's that's a really fascinating concept and mm-hmm. very you know very like hard sci-fi kind of idea that mm-hmm. i i think could be completely possible. Right. Like we almost have the technology for something like this now, mm-hmm. you know? And so exploring that from a mental, you know, mentally exploring that is, I think fascinating as hell. And I was interested in that kind of stuff, but I feel like the characters were just so like blase and drab about everything. I was, yeah. I was like really disappointed. Like I wanted like Denis Villeneuve to make this movie or with a decent budget Man. or something, you know, I, like that's, that would have been so cool. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't know the, that I can necessarily blame the actors. No. Um, I, I think it was a script issue or just kind of a all around attitude issue about the movie. Um, but I mean, the, the, the cast was just, was, was really good. I, my favorite was uh, Tim Robbins. I think he was the most emotionally available person um in in the movie and kind of he was he was the most invested in this idea of kind of you know uh using this technology as a form of therapy or mm-hmm. or or what have you um i i liked i liked that i i think he he did well with it um and it was it was it was fascinating to see how all these all these characters end up going through this you know this process of trying to uh, interact with the hologram, right? And and how it f- trying to figure out a way to make it a worthwhile thing, or you know, if they can find some kind of catharsis through this technology. That's it was it was fascinating. Um, yeah. I I just wish the vehicle was a little bit better for it. Um, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, I was I was just kind of let down, let down by it. Yeah, and I, I think I'm kind of the same way. Um, you put it very well uh, that it it kind of deserved as, as far as a concept it is very fascinating and interesting and thought provoking mm-hmm. but in execution there wasn't quite enough to kind of latch on to there right um what i will say and i'll probably mention it to you after we record cuz it'll be kind of spoilery um what you said about kind of concealing parts of parts of the family history so that the so that the um hologram i guess or the yeah i guess hologram the ai of it is is only preserving your version of it Mm -hmm. um that that is a very fascinating concept to me and i thought that it was portrayed interestingly but and and like the reveal of what what's what's kind of hiding i thought that was very compelling Mm -hmm. um and that i throughout the movie i was kind of like i was struggling to to kind of I was grasping at threads to keep me invested. And like when that kind of turn comes, it's like, okay, now I'm more invested. But I kind of felt like it's, it's kind of told through a few different, like, I would almost say segments, but it's more like just their, their three distinct acts that are all dependent on like characters. Like they're defined by each act is kind of defined by, um, 
a character talking to a hologram, but it's it's each act is a different character and and even a different hologram. Right. And I felt like that structure was a little jarring for me because one moment you get like you have an extended period of time where there's a character talking to a specific hologram and you're getting the basis of what's going on, and then suddenly there's like it jumps ahead to a to a completely different scenario that you don't even know like what the hell's happened. <laughs> right. Um, that was kind of frustrating, but the, I, I kind of love the ending there. There's a moment in the ending that I'll talk about, talk about to you off, off, off mic, but um, it's, it was really compelling. And like you, like you said, it was, it kind of feels like a rejected strip script from black mirror. Mm. And like, I feel like this movie could totally be re- reworked into a black mirror episode and it have like a very like, impactful ending that's like kind of a, a mind fuck a little bit yes i i uh, agree yeah um but the also uh lois smith yes uh 87 years old i it was it was amazing I, mean, I was watching i was like where do i what do i know her from i couldn't could not place her and then finally i looked her up and she was the aunt in twister, twister yeah like blows my mind had a memorable performance in minority report as well Oh yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, she's a great actress. And oh, just, totally. To to do such a high concept film mm-hmm. at the age of eighty seven is yeah, just really impressive. Oh yeah. Um, and Gina Davis, I've, I haven't seen her forever. Yeah, me neither. Um, I've never been a huge fan of her acting. Um, yeah, she's she's fine, and I mean mm. she's a really gorgeous woman. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I've always liked that. Um, but I've just, I've always thought that she's, she's just an okay actress and she's kind of, I would almost say gotten lucky that she's been in kind of iconic roles. Um, mm-hmm. um, like, uh, God, God, I can't think of the, um, leave it their own. Was she in that? Like yeah. Like leave yeah. their own and like the fly and, um, oh, yeah. um, Jesus, what's the Susan Sarandon movie? Um, God, her like most famous movie. Uh, the two girls, women who are friends, and they steal magnolias. Go no, they go off the cliff in the end in the car. God damn! Oh, Thelma, Thelma and Louise, son yeah. of a bitch. Spoiler alert. Yeah, um, <laughs> everybody knows what that nah, how that movie ends. Yeah, um, but yeah, like the like Thelma and Louise. Um, that's how we're gonna end the podcast. Uh, um, good. Um, Flying over. Open up the phone. Nine one one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's, I've always felt like she's just kind of gotten lucky that she got really good projects mm-hmm. and that's why she's kind of famous. Um, sure. Which is maybe a harsh thing to say, but yeah, she's um, not listening, but she, I, I, I didn't mind her in this. I thought, I thought she did a pretty, pretty solid job in this. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, it was just notable. I hadn't seen her in anything in such a long time. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was an okay movie and I think maybe somebody might have a really strong reaction to it. I think timing could be very important to this if you had yeah. just lost a loved one or something totally could totally uh yeah have that have a different effect on you mm-hmm. um did you rate it on letterboxd because i didn't see it on your diary i don't think i did okay um i feel like i'm kind of like your supervisor <laughs> like yeah i'm, I'm micromanaging your letterboxd <laughs> account <laughs> i did rate it yeah i gave it uh two and a half stars okay that's yeah, yeah that's, which i would I give it like i'd give it like a 5.5 Gotcha. Um, almost a six, maybe. Okay. Um, it's yeah. about average movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, great. Well, yeah, that's Marjorie Prime. It is on Amazon Prime, um, instant video, and it is one of our Prime selections. Um, 
that we chose for each other. So yep. mine is conspiracy. And Tiny, do you um, – first, I'll go ahead and read the plot description courtesy of IMDb. Conspiracy is a dramatic recreation of the Wanzi Wanzi. How do you pronounce that? I don't know. Um, Wannsee conference where the Nazi final solution phase of the Holocaust was devised. Um, now, Tiny, you had mentioned this on a potpourri some time ago. Um, it was an HBO movie that was um, released in 2001. Uh, what was your thought process for recommending it to me for our prime selections? Um, I think I recommended it because it's uh, kind of an unknown event or, or a very sparsely known event in history um that's that's connected to like such a it's connected to one like the worst thing that's ever happened you know what i'm saying it's like mm-hmm. everyone knows what the holocaust is and it's such a uh it's it, you know such a huge part of the 20th century in human history it's world war ii was this unbelievable thing right that killed 60 million people you know it's just like and and just the the idea that a big chunk of that was planned out in a room by a group of men and they did so very wantonly mm-hmm. just really blew me away. I had no idea that this, this conference ever actually happened. I had no idea. Me neither. I think a lot of people don't know that. And yeah. I, I don't know how much accuracy is in the film, but mm-hmm. you know, I can imagine that a lot of these sayings and conversations actually took place. And just, again, it's, it's, it's just another disturbing aspect of, the worst thing that's ever happened. And I I feel like the Holocaust is something that's hard to learn about. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's so awful, but I feel like everybody needs to make an effort to try to educate themselves on what happened there because it's, you know, it's that old saying, if those who don't learn about history are bound to repeat it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's something that we just never, we can never forget. And we need to, infuse in our our education and and this is another this is a great example of doing that and telling that story mm-hmm. uh yeah i i totally get that <laughs> i thought this was a fun watch um, no, <laughs> right uh, no this this movie was it's it's a it's a little bit dry because it's just a bunch of guys talking yeah, it's just talking yeah. um it kind of felt like a like um a Nazi Holocaust version of like 12 angry men, like mm-hmm. in structure. It felt like it, it was like a stage production just on film. Yeah. And what was fascinating about it to me really is that, um, you mentioned that, you know, there's not, you don't know how much of it was true. I feel like no one can really know how much of it was on the head, on head on the head because it was such a secret thing. Right. Right. Like, I think that only like, like a, a few pages of notes survived. Um, Which is shocking for the Nazis. They wrote everything down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so. Don't ask me how I know that. I, <laughs> no. I, I, there's a, there's a fucked up joke there somewhere with Nazis and NaNoWriMo. Yeah. Well, but anyway. Go to Auschwitz and look in the barracks. They have it, the, every, every hallway in the barracks at that place is lined with photos of prisoner prisoners quote unquote Mm -hmm. because they tried to literally document with photographs every single person who came through the gates of auschwitz and i was like first of all it's a big fucking waste of time secondly they actually did this and it's like they eventually had to abandon it but still like you just see a 
200 foot long hallway full of photographs of like basically like mug shots. And I'm like, man, these guys were fucking dumb and just, this is such, it's so ignorant. Like, why would you do that? And like people, I mean, not to get on a, a sidetrack or anything, yeah, but like, sorry, I didn't mean to do no, that, no, 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 no. I'm going to dive deeper into it. Okay. But like, there's like, like people say like, Oh, just think about all of the medical experiments and scientific experiments that happened, um, during the Holocaust and everything that like those, like records of that are lost forever. Like it would be, it would be interesting to see what findings they had, even though they're terrible, horrible conditions. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting to see what the things was, but kind of the truth of the matter is it would be pointless because I don't think the Nazis really adhered to like a strict, like scientific method. It was more like just really just disturb, like horrifying things. It was, it was hunches. It wasn't hypotheses. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't any method to it. It was just, it was just cruel. Um, just, uh, what is the word? I'm like, just horror, horror. Yeah. Horror. Yeah. Um, like I had, I read, um, the rise and fall of the third Reich, Mm -hmm. um, which was written in like the sixties. So it was, it was kind of interesting. It was like written like relatively soon after it Mm -hmm. and like it's very detailed and it goes like once you get to kind of the uh the end of the war in that book like they there's sections where they just talk in detail about um the different experiments and and everything that they did to just human beings like 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 freezing them like alive and and putting them in like boiling boiling like furnaces and and tubs and just like the Oh, just the, uh, oh, just disgusting, just horrifying thing. Like, I like damn near broken out into tears just listening mm-hmm. to it on Audible. But, um, yeah. And like you said, I agree with you completely. It's something that people need to be made very aware of mm-hmm. at all times. Like, we can't let it just be a historical thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so conspiracy is a fascinating study of, of what went into, getting to that point like this is basically a group of nazis sitting around at this um like mansion or, or whatever it is some kind of retreat or something retreat, like that yeah. yeah um that they are just they're they're basically troubleshooting how they can eradicate jew uh, the the jewish population right um and it's like they're very it's disturbing how like clinical they are about it and how how just uh, um uh how just lax they are about it like okay well what if we we can eradicate them at this at this amount it's very like dry and just like cold mm-hmm. um and it's it's fascinating to me because like the one person who's kind of the voice of contention is it's not like he's saying like no this is wrong we need to stop this and right. everything it's like no, well, you know, what if we just castrate them or sterilize them? Sterilize them. It's yeah. just like it's it's kind of a hard thing to watch. Just yeah. these people that have just no soul, I would say. Yeah. Um, just discussing it as if they're just building a business plan. Right. It's disturbing. Yeah, the good guy in the room is talking about sterilizing them. Yeah, and that's the good guy in the room. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Played yeah. by Colin Firth. Right. Yeah. Which the cast is incredible. The cast is amazing. It's it's unbelievable. I'm yeah. gonna read off some of the names here. Um Stanley Tucci, Kenneth yes, Branagh. Yes. Um, um Colin Firth, as you said. Colin Firth, I can't remember. Some like character actors are in it, um, but I mm-hmm. can't think of their names. 
Yeah. Um, Sinatushi. Mr. Carson from uh, Downton Abbey is in it. Mm. Also, uh, Tom Hiddleston makes an appearance in it. Yes. Yeah. The phone operator. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, Ben Daniels, who played um, the photographer in House of Cards. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this was this was a very um, interesting and emotionally draining movie, and it's not even like emotionally draining in the, in the way that it's that you would think that it's not emotionally draining in that um, they it they show like all of these these despicable crimes and everything like that. It's just the fact that human beings can talk like this about other human beings. It's just it's it's just really. Um, Horrifying to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about Conspiracy. Cool. Um, it's available on Amazon Prime as well as HBO Go and HBO Now, of course, since it's an HBO movie. Uh, what did you did you give, give it a star rating? I did. Let me check and see what it was. Um, it's got a seven point eight on IMDb. Nice. It's pretty high. Yeah, I want to say it was probably um, three and a half to four stars for me. Okay. Um, but let me double check. Okay. Yeah, I rated it three and a half stars. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, so that's Conspiracy. It's on HBO Go and Amazon Prime. It's one of our Prime selections. Yes. Which we'll have to do that again. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. So let's see. So then we're going to kind of round out with Potpourri real quick. Uh, we can do kind of rapid fire thing. Sure. Um, so Potpourri for first time listeners is the part of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want as long as it smells good. That's kind of the tagline of it. It's just basically we bring up something that we've watched or that we're looking forward to or just something that's uh, on our minds related to movies and TV. So that doesn't fit into the main topic of the episode. So let's see. We both have two things, right? You have um. Yes, two things. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I think I'm gonna go first. Um, let me see. Yes. Okay. So I'm gonna go first. Um, okay. My first potpourri is uh, best picture nomination. Best picture nominee. Call me by your name, which is the story of a young man named Elio who is 17 years old. He lives in Italy. Um, he's a, he's an Italian American or an American in Italy. I don't know. But anyway, he's, he's basically, um, living in Italy with his family in the summer. His father is Michael Stolbarg, who is a, um, professor. And so the story is about, um, uh, Army Hammer's character named Oliver, who comes to stay with the professor and his family for six weeks in, uh, Italy over the summer in 1980, I think three, um, as a research assistant. And so the movie revolves around Elio and Oliver striking up a romantic relationship and exploring their kind of romantic feelings for each other. Um, it's gotten a ton of acclaim. It's, it's nominated for several, um, Oscars and honestly, I didn't get it. I just, <laughs> I just did not get it. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's it's hard to talk about without going into spoilers. So I, I'll avoid spoilers as much as I can. But basically this movie is um, very frustrating to me because it is depicting a um, kind of a, a torrid love affair between a young man and a, and a mid twenties man who is they're They're both kind of, they find comfort. I, I don't even know how to necessarily describe it, but basically it's about Elio um 
coming to terms with his sexuality or discovering his sexuality through his relationship with Oliver. And like, that's an interesting premise. And that's something that I would definitely gravitate to. Cause I'm, I'm a huge fan of like romantic movies and, and coming of age movies in particular mm-hmm. that like when it's done right, it's done like it can be a really kind of transformative experience or uh, it can be a very, a very strong film experience. But my problem with call me by your name is that it's it's this coming of age story. It's from mostly from the perspective of Elio, the young man, the seventeen year old, um, and it's about his relationship with Oliver. Now, Oliver, played by Army Hammer, is I'm I hate to say he's a body. He's like I mean he's like obviously he's a very handsome man, but mm-hmm. that is the, almost the the full extent of the depth of his character, and that is very problematic to me because the entire movie is about their relationship and there is not anything to that character. Like you don't even like there's, there's some hesitance about, um, about them starting the relationship and, and about like Oliver holds back a little bit. Um, and then Elio is kind of this hormone charged teenager who kind of goes for it. And there's like, I, there's some subtext as to why he, you know, would be hesitant and everything. But it's it's not evident throughout the movie really at all. Like the extent of Oliver's character character development in the movie is that he has a couple kind of sexual perversions. I, I wouldn't maybe it's maybe it's not fair to say perversions, but he has these these there's these strange like um, non sequiturs where he does something or expresses something sexually to Elio that is just kind of like that's kind of fucking weird. <laughs> and like a fetish kind of somewhat yeah a little okay. bit like a fetish which not kink shaming or anything yeah but it's like there's not anything to the character about that like it's just it's just introduced and then dropped and then moved on to something else it's it's just really frustrating and then my my biggest gripe about the movie my biggest point of contention with this movie is that there is a very powerful scene um that is that has been talked about a lot. It's like the the big the big scene of the movie is this this monologue that Michael Stuhlbarg gives toward the end of the movie, where he is he's he's Elio's father, and he gives this this monologue to his son. And like people, I've I've listened to reviews about and seen seen talk about, they're lauding this as like, oh, this is an incredible performance. And in that moment, it is an incredible performance. But what it does for the movie is that it turns this relationship between Elio and Oliver that is on the by by all accounts this summer fling between this this uh this teenager who's learning his uh, who's who's coming to terms with his sexuality and and like coming of age sexually at the at the hands of this older man who has nothing in terms of characterization uh so it's essentially there's not like a romance between them it's just it's kind of like a a summer hookup, a summer fling. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's great for a coming of age story. But this monologue at the end, like the, the end of the movie literally presents the story as if it were some profound love and some profound love affair and some like embodiment of true love. And it's just something that I just almost vehemently just don't buy. Like uh, that is not communicated in the movie. And it is incredibly frustrating because I think part of my 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 uh um my excitement over how how disappointed I am in this movie is that it's just in stark contrast to what everyone's saying. I wanted to love this movie. I just couldn't. I just couldn't see what was so 
great about it. And then like it has like all the hallmarks of being like a great like like art artistic um um uh subtextual movie that's all about, you know, characterization and everything. Like it has those those it hits it hits those marks on the chart on the checklist for that type of movie. But even from a filmmaking standpoint, there are just some really jarring cuts and things that don't pay off or make any sense or aren't communicated. Like there's a, a famous scene involving a, a prop, I'll say, that is very much like it's, it's you know, when you come out of the movie, you're like, that's the scene that you talk about. Okay. Um, and like me and my friend that I saw it with, we, we've talked about it a lot and it's like, we just don't get it. We just, I just don't huh. get what is so profound about it. I don't understand what is so, um, interesting about it. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Like, um, I posted my review on the Facebook page and I believe it was, uh, one of our, one of our listeners, Ben Sears. Uh huh. Yeah. He yeah. He uh he. I think it was him. He commented and said like, "I'm glad I wasn't the only one that thought this." Okay. And like he he specifically pointed out that it there was no inner or external like drama to their relationship, and I agree completely. And that's like if there was something there that caused like some kind of drama or something between them, it would have been a more compelling movie. But they could have made him. They could have made it compelling without that. By having some kind of statement to the toward the movie, and I feel like part of the statement that it was trying to make is kind of similar to I, this is all conjecture on my part because this is not what was communicated to me in the movie. But okay. I feel like part of maybe Oliver's hesitance is that you know it's 1980s, um, um, and he's an American who just I feel like there's a cultural thing there, but. To be perfectly honest, that's something that if that's the statement that we're make that we're making, then it was completely lost on me. That's just me trying to read into something in the movie. But also other movies have done a much, much better job of that. Like I'm thinking in particular, like I still think like Brokeback Mountain is a an incredibly powerful movie for its statements about like like uh, being a closeted homosexual and and, mm-hmm. and not being true to yourself and everything like that is a, a great example of that. And then call me by your name just doesn't, doesn't hold a candle to that. If that, what that is what they were going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also my final part is that there's the, the, uh, the inspiration for the title of the movie. There's a scene that's, uh, they basically are, are talking in there. They want, they call each other by the other's name. Okay. And like coming out of there, I was like, what the, f-? like, I didn't understand what, what that, the point of that was hmm. at all. Um, and if it wasn't the title of the movie, I would have thought like, okay, this is just a weird kind of quirk or whatever. But the farther I get away from it, that the more I think that maybe it's because they want their, and again, this is all stuff that I'm putting into the movie because I didn't feel it was communicated to me. Okay. I feel like maybe it was them like wanting to live vicariously through the other, like, you know, Elio's I see. Thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. This was the the movie was just not good. I was not a fan of it, and um, it's up for a ton of Oscars. So yeah, four. Yeah, yep. So we'll hmm. see. Yeah, um, that's yeah. kind of a shame that you didn't connect to it. Yeah, yeah. Way. Are you intrigued to see it? Or are you going totally. to see it? Yeah, it's it's I'm not going to be in theaters. I'll have to wait until mm-hmm. VOD or something like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. Yeah. 
yeah, so that's uh, Call Me By Your Name. And Tiny, what's your first potpourri? Uh, this will be brief, but um, recently uh, my wife, Paige, uh, I don't want to say stumbled upon, but on a whim started mm-hmm. watching The Wire. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like, you mentioned that last time. Did I? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, just, I went to bed early at like eight thirty or nine o'clock one night, and I wake up the next day, and she's like, "I watched the first two episodes of The Wire." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> it like blew me That's away. Awesome. Um, yeah. And so, I'd say of the sixty episodes, I probably mm-hmm. watched fifty with her. Nice. I, I, she skipped ahead a little bit, which I don't blame her. Mm. Um, and so, this was my third time going through the show, and man, it just completely reinvigorated every opinion i had of that show it's just like because she's like i was explaining things to her and like i'm so used to like all these all the terminology and all the Mm -hmm. stuff that's thrown around in the series that i was like explaining some of it to her and that that show has so much subtext and so much so makes so many subtle points Mm -hmm. that like you either have to watch it multiple times or like talk to people about it in order to right. catch everything. It's a great like conversation show. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we would like have, we would like pause it and like I would explain something to her. She would like tell me how she interpreted something and like nice. she like interpreted stuff that I didn't pick up on. Um, That's awesome. Like with, like with Michael and his relationship to his younger brother's dad. Yeah. She picked up on that right away. Really? Boom. And like, I remember when I was watching it, I didn't quite get it at first. Yeah. Until that kind of concludes. Um, and she got it like right away and I was like impressed. And, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's that, that is, that's the best TV show of all time. It, oh God, it's I, so I just, I can't even articulate how good that show is. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable. Um, and it had me, I think after, after we finished watching it or maybe partway through, I, I just started like going through Amazon and seeing how many books there were about it. Cause <laughs> I was like, I got to keep nice. I, the, I knew, I know there's like several books about it that mm-hmm. are out there and I had always intended to read a bunch of them. And I don't think I've read any of the books about the show. Yeah. And I, I added like three or four, I think to my wish list. And nice. I'm going to try to re- get those and read them. And I have one, I can loan it to you. It's no problem. Okay. Um, it's, I don't, it's like, uh, um, I think it's like an episode by episode thing, okay. an episode guide, but, um, there's some really great, like, um, essays at the start of it, okay. uh, that kind of break down the show and, and like David Simon talks about kind of the structure of it and the, and the kind of behind the scenes of it and mm-hmm. everything. It's, it's a really, it's a really great read. And I actually just got on, um, Audible. It was just recently released, um, probably like a couple weeks ago, I think at the time of this recording, but it's called all the pieces matter. Um, the inside story of the wire. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very excited to listen to it on audible. Um, but it's basically the definitive oral history of the iconic and beloved TV show, the wire as told by the actors, writers, directors, and others involved in its creation. And yeah, God, that, that show is just so incredible. It is. Um, how did you feel? This is your first time watching the HD transfer of yes. the remastered. I was really surprised. I mm-hmm. I was not. I remember when they announced they were remastering it, and I was like, "Yeah, big deal." I I just mm-hmm. didn't, I wasn't really that interested in it, but it's amazing how much detail of that. <laughs> it's amazing how much detail of that city jumps off the mm-hmm. screen in HD. I was yeah. really surprised. Like I I I wasn't expecting to be 
to, I just didn't think it needed to be remastered. Like I was mm. fine with it being in the standard ratio and yeah. definition and everything, but man, I'm so glad they remastered mm. it. It's cause it's, it is a, it is a fiction that's masquerading as the truth. Mm-hmm. And to see, like thinking, like watching it this time, I was like thinking of it more as like a fictitious story as opposed to, you know, communicating all these truths about, uh, you know, this city and urban decay and uh, our society and how we, how we treat each other. And, you know, all these different concepts that the show communicates, I kind of just to see it polished and, beautiful in a lot of in a lot of ways mm-hmm. really added an, another level to it for me nice. personally so and yeah we did we we are retreading some of the stuff we talked about last time are we the, okay. the only reason i'm bringing that up is because i know that tony is going to give me crap about it so, okay so <laughs> i don't even remember saying that stuff last time I yeah remember. Uh, it was at the top of the episode but um okay. but yeah it's funny because i had the last time i rewatched it was a probably a year or so or a couple years ago um, and it was the first time I'd watched it on the HD version. I, I had actually bought it on Blu-ray and I watched it that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> uh, some things that are kind of funny is like, like, um, it was originally produced in the four by three, um, square format. Right. Um, and then for the HD, they, you know, made it widescreen and everything. So there's considerably more, more in the, in the frame than, than what was originally shown on television and stuff. And what I thought was interesting about that is like, like you said, the detail is incredible. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's immaculate. But there, there's like instances. I remember at least one instance where I think like, um, Herc and, and Carver are, or it might have been Herc and, uh, um, I can't remember her name. Why can't I remember her name? Kima. Kima. Yeah. I think Herc and Kima are like, like staking out the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the low rises. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're eating like chicken or something, or they're, they're drinking, they're eating and drinking fast food. And it's funny because in that, in that scene, you can see the actor who plays Herc, you can see him move the label as he comes into frame to take really? it. Really? Yeah. So that they don't see it, so that it doesn't get picked up on the camera. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's not anything that's too, like, it, it's one or two times that that happened, but I saw it. I was like, that's, that's actually pretty, pretty freaking hilarious. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. But yeah, I had a, just a great time rewatching mm-hmm. it and just. I had a I had a stronger emotional reaction to it this time. Nice, um, like a lot of the stuff that happens with bubbles. Yeah, like I I, oh, yeah. I broke down into tears a couple times. Oh my god! Which, like his whole arc is yeah. incredible, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and pa- Paige was like heartbroken by Duquan. Yes. Um, god the, the damn Fourth it. and fifth season, she was mm-hmm. like, she was just like, ah, oh, Dookie. Like mm. through like so many times. Um, the yeah. fourth season alone is. I know incredibly powerful i gained a whole new appreciation for the fourth season mm-hmm. uh this nice. this go through um but yeah as we were starting the first episode of the last season she was like Paige was like god what are we gonna do after this <laughs> and i was like i nice. know you're gonna have some withdrawal it's right? it's gonna be yeah make so. her watch the shield next <laughs> yeah i'm not sure if she but she'll probably like it but yeah. i don't know if she'd like it as much as that but. right well i mean they're they're both cop shows, but they're wildly different. Wildly different, yeah. yeah. Plus, you'll want to wait until the Shield remaster, I'm sure. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so cool. That's that's the wire. Yeah, nice. so 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 perfectly good. Right. 
I'm gonna need. To, I'm gonna, uh, I kind of want to rewatch it now. But yeah. I'm so busy with ER, and right. I really need to do my. I need to get back on track with my podcasting. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, I know I've been saying that, but it's just been a busy start to 2018. But anyway, right. right. Um, yeah, like, like the wire, I like, I recently, um, basically on my lunch break, since I work from home, I, on my lunch break one day, I was like, you know what, I'm going to kind of not organize my DVDs and stuff, but, um, on my, uh, TV, like, um, stand, stand. my, eh, it's a TV stand. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not call a gremlin a, a, um, Cadillac or something. It's a, wow. uh, that was you're totally a car guy, aren't you? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, let's not, let's not, let's not call, uh, shitty. I I was gonna make like a wine and oh, thing. Okay, you know, I don't know. Let's not call Miller Lite, you know, Sun King. Um, that's okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. Anyway, so um. I'm sorry, guys. Um, so, uh, the bottom of my TV stand, I have all of, or I have a considerable amount of my kind of big, um, box sets. I have, uh, The Wire on Blu-ray, um, the complete set. I have the Breaking Bad limited edition, uh, barrel case of the, uh, the entire series on Blu-ray. Then I have the, what, kind of my prized possession of this is my lost, um, complete series. Um, Blu-ray collection. That's all. Um, that's the entire series. It's kind of shaped like the island. It's very cool. Um, then I have like Halloween, the complete series, and uh, the Lord of the Rings box set, and then my Bond fifty, James Bond box set on Blu-ray. So anyway, I basically nice. cleaned out the bottom of my uh, TV stand and kind of rearranged them and everything. And every time I was like, I could rewatch The Wire. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could bet. rewatch Breaking Bad. Yeah, <laughs> I could rewatch Lost. <laughs> like I'm serious. Like I'm almost like, I'm like I could seriously rewatch Lost. Like, I bet yeah. it's been way too long. So I want to give that a little more time for yeah. Watch that. Well, yeah, and we need to prep our podcast on it. <laughs> our, <laughs> I'm joking. We're not going to do a podcast on it. Yeah, a, a Lost podcast. Anyway, so yeah. Anyway, uh, that's that's my tangent off of your thing. But mine, my next potpourri. Next potpourri? First. First. Oh, I said call me by your name. So my second potpourri. Oh, it is your second. Yeah, yeah my final potpourri, and we'll wrap this up soon, I promise. Uh, <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Nice. Yes. So I finally watched this movie. Um, I had rented a bunch of movies on Vudu and Google Play. A couple of them expired um, before I could watch them. Oh, it sucks. Yeah. Like, I... Okay, so kind of backstory. I was very sick uh, last week, last Tuesday. And I was like, um, I, I like, it was one of those things where it sucks that I work in a call center because I had no voice. So it's like, I literally couldn't work and mm-hmm. I hate calling off work, especially when I work from home. I mean, it's so easy to just work. Right. But I couldn't talk. And, um, I was sitting there. I was like, I was like, I was sitting here on my couch and I was like, you know what? I'm going to I have the day off. I'm going to kind of be resting and everything. What I'm going to do, I have all of these rentals that I have that are like going to expire in the next week or so. I'm just going to watch as much of them as I can. Nice. And so I put on Shane um, and watched uh, about 25 minutes of that before I fell asleep and was in like a a cold cold medicine coma. Yeah. And then I was just like, I'm getting nothing. Like, this is not how ha- I'm not getting any of this done. Yeah. <laughs> so that one ended up expiring. Cause I was like 19 hours left on it. And then also, unfortunately the towering Inferno expired too. Oh, bummer. Yeah. I got like maybe uh, 45 minutes into that before I had to turn it off. Cause I was, you know, dead. <laughs> um, 
So if you have you have that on DVD or Blu-ray, I have it on Divid. Divid. Okay, I'll yeah. have to borrow it from you at some point. Uh, sure. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I did get to watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Now, I didn't expect it to be so fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I honestly like my um, perspective of it was that I thought that it was like kind of a not gritty western, but I thought it was more, um, <clears throat> more of a traditional western of these two outlaws that are being chased and everything. Um, so I was very delighted that it was a more energetic and comedic thing in the performances of um, Paul Newman and Robert Redford. Like their chemistry, mm-hmm. their performances are just out of this world. And I love that the movie kept that energy, that kind of comedic energy all the way through to the end. Like, you it could have easily been like this dramatic ending that's like that's like they they like like eh, this very dramatic ending but like even the last line of the freaking movie is kind of a joke um Mm -hmm. um and it's just it's it's so great and one thing i want to point out to it is that um a considerable amount of the movie is that they're being hunted by this posse and um I loved the tension of that. Like the way that that's shown is like, they're just, they're just being hunted down by this posse and they're, they're of considerable distances away from each other, but they are being hounded by it and they are seeing them tracking them from far away. Mm -hmm. And the posse is relentless. And I loved the way that the tension unfurled because like Butch Cassidy, like Butch and Sundance are, exhausted and it gets to them and everything it's just it's it's amazing that um how that was filmed and 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 shown and communicated to us just the exhaustion like i was i was tense for a considerable amount of the movie um it's just i I thought that was great so overall i'll I'll wrap it up because we are running long but Mm -hmm. i i absolutely loved butch cassidy and the sundance kid and nice uh, this was the first of what will probably end up being a lot of viewings. I'll have to pick it up and add it to my collection. Nice. Yep. Yeah, I liked it too. It's kind of like the the male film in Louise. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. true. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, right. that would be a great double feature. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it within the past couple of years too and really, nice. really liked it as well. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, wrap us up. Yeah, my last uh, entry, it'll, it'll be brief, is uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, I really liked it. I, lo- I just love the trilogy as a whole. Mm-hmm. I feel like each each film is, is uh, kind of unique to itself and uh, sets itself apart from the others, um, but is, but is a, a great trilogy together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first movie... The first movie just surprised the hell out of me because I, I was not in favor of it. I thought it was kind of stupid to try to remake the franchise again mm. or reboot the franchise. And um, I wasn't thrilled about James Franco and at the time. And I was just like, whatever. I really wasn't into it. And then the movie just ended up surprising the hell out of me and being like a, a pretty good movie. Um, uh, a lot of heart and just very it took itself serious in the right way, you know? Um, and then that sequel, uh, gosh, what was the sequel even called? Dawn. Um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, that's the best of the three, I think, without question. And that, that just blew me away. I was like, damn, this motion, motion capture aside, this is just a really gorgeous, incredibly filmed movie. Um, and just a, a really good story. And like I said, it just kind of takes itself serious in the right way. It's not, 
it's not ridiculous or over the top. Um, I think that second movie is phenomenal. Um, and this, this was a great conclusion, War for the Planet of the Apes. I think it, it wrapped everything up nicely and stuck to a lot of the themes from the trilogy. Um, Woody Harrelson's one of my favorite actors and mm. I, I love it equally when he's playing the protagonist versus versus when he's playing an antagonist or the villain. I mm-hmm. I love him in both roles, but when he's a villain, he's just so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just, oh, man, wicked in this movie. Yeah. Just wicked. Bad as an evil. Evil, yes. Yeah. That's what I meant, yeah. Um, he's always an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love him. He's just, I love Woody Harrelson. Um, and so I was ecstatic to see him playing a villain in this movie, and he just... He had it turned up to 11, and I, nice. I loved what he did. Um, and I, I was really proud of myself. Again, um, usually I'm not great at this stuff, but uh, I was able to pick out Steve Zahn's voice. Oh, nice. As the the bad ape. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, that's is that is that Steve Zahn? It was especially when, nice. I, in, I guess, to my discredit, it was during like a pratfall where like oh, the monkey yeah. runs off and falls. He's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I was like, that's Steve Zahn. <laughs> that's Steve Zahn's voice. I know it. And I looked it nice. up. I was like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> um, nice. and, uh, yeah, it was just a really, <clears throat> just a really cool plot device. The whole what's happening with the humans. Yeah. Was a, a oh, good yeah. idea that worked really well. Um, it was, it was a good movie. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice. I, uh, yeah, I need to rewatch. I bought it on Blu-ray, so I, I need to, I, I kind of want to set some time aside to just watch all three at some yeah. point. Maybe, maybe those will be like what I edit the podcast to. Right. Um, but uh, yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't know how Andy Circus wears that suit and oh my God. shrinks himself down to like four foot ten. Um, it's incredible acting. That's that, it's not, I mean. What? It's just, you had me at the suit. Like, there's, <laughs> stuff but i don't think you're <laughs> but no the, being very credible here. <laughs> the mocap is amazing yeah I, it's <laughs> it's it's that was another thing i want to mention is sometimes when i'm when i was sitting there watching it i was like i i could not tell that it was cgi mm-hmm. like it was that good i was Absolutely. like wow how did they get an orangutan to do that but it's like it's cgi it's just really some of the best cgi that I can think of. Absolutely. And yeah. each, each entry in this franchise was, a, was groundbreaking and like right. managed to up itself. Like it's, it's incredible. And from a technical level. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed War for the Planet of the Apes. Like you, I think, I think I like Dawn a lot more, but, mm-hmm. uh, as far as a concluding chapter of a trilogy, it was, it was really, really strong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yep. All right. Well, I think that will do it for this episode of uh, the Obsessive Viewer. We mm-hmm. kind of had a lot to go through <laughs> after it's been a while. Week off. Yeah. yeah. Um, to uh, conclude the show, I want to just mention first of all that you can become a patron of Obsessive Viewer by uh, uh, by going to patreon.com dot slash Obsessive Viewer. Uh, we recently got a new um, patron, uh, Victor Gamboa. Uh, who is the host of the Outer Limits podcast? Um, great dude. He he's been supporting my, um, he's he's been a supportive uh presence for uh, anthology. Um, I remember in the early days of my solo podcast anthology, he gave me a lot of good feedback and a lot of good support and everything. I was delighted to see that he that he uh, uh became a patron. Now I don't know how long he's going to be a patron <laughs> because he actually uh. 
just revealed on Twitter that he is expecting a child. So nice. Um, yeah. So congrats to Victor and uh, no hard feelings if you have to, you know, uh, cancel the Patre- Patreon <laughs> subscription. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Patreon, uh, our friend, uh, friend of the show, Robert Garter, who is a Patreon subscriber for um, Anthology. Well, technically, he's a Patreon subscriber for all of us. He likes all of our stuff, and it's mm-hmm. he's he's a great dude. I've I've uh, emailed and tweeted him back and forth and everything. And I promise I'm going to get those bonus reviews for Anthology out for you, Robert. But anyway. He actually upped his Patreon subscription so that he could get us to review a movie for him for Obsessive Viewer. So he joined that level there. And uh, so next week we are going to be reviewing Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. Because as as Robert said in his email to me, he is determined to make me a Guillermo del Toro fan. <laughs> and I feel like he's just... Uh, forcing me to to try to pronounce Guillermo del Toro <laughs> without <laughs> messing it up. So I'm with you on that one, Robert. I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, so it's him. it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. We'll have that next week, and then as an added bonus, I told him that uh, um, since it's a lot of money that he's giving us, which I mean, honestly, Robert, you can you can drop it down to your other one. I feel kind of guilty since I haven't gotten the other reviews out, but I, I'll get all of those reviews out. I promise. But anyway, um. Uh, as a bonus, I told him that if he picked a number, I would watch whatever number corresponded to my Netflix list. Um, and I would, uh, use that as my potpourri for the episode that that we review Pan's Labyrinth. So, um, he told me that he wanted number 97. (laughs) So (laughs) he made me count a lot, but, uh, the movie that is on Netflix on my list at number 97 is Paddington. Oh. So, yeah, so I'm going to check that out. That'll be my potpourri. I've actually heard really great things about Paddington 2. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm sure that this one should be interesting. All right. Um, so, all right, that will do it. We'll be back next week. And, uh, yeah, also, uh, again, uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you will get uh, exclusive access to our RSS feed that is just filled with me uh, doing film commentaries. I actually just recently recorded a commentary track for the first Iron Man. Don't know when I'm going to post that, but it'll be uh, there at some point. But um, yeah, check that out. I also have review or film commentaries for Jingle All the Way and I Love You Man. So, having said all that, Tiny, is there anything else you want to? No. Say? All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. 
The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.